Having lived uh, and practiced in the West and being a Westerner myself, and I uh, thought an appropriate theme for the evening talk would be practicing, practicing good enough. <laughs> Partly because the Western mind is so uh, acclimatized to ideals, idealism, concepts, absolutes, particularly you know, when you spiritual plane then you can really disguise the limit in terms of absolute purity absolute samadhi absolute wisdom refined concentration perfect balance everything and somewhere out there is the distant horizon is buddhahood yeah yeah so our minds work something like that I'm I'm caricaturing it a little bit something like that and uh, the dominant feeling is we're not good enough. Yeah. Not really pure enough. Not committed enough. Not concentrated enough. Definitely not wise. Not mindful enough. Not enough samadhi. Not enough kindness. <laughs> not enough of anything, really. <laughs> Far from doubt. Plenty of that. <laughs> Because we tend to orient through the uh, the thinking faculty, where these absolutes can exist, you know, like in math, you can think infinity. You don't see it, you don't taste it, you don't touch it. You can think it. You can think infinity. You can think absolute. You can think truth. You know, and they're really sharp and clear, and wonderful. You know, in con- as a concept. And we tend to orient our aspirations, our intelligence through the thought faculty. Hmm. Yeah, so we're strongly attuned to that faculty. And then we also have a strong uh, performance ethic. You know, to compete, there's only, no, only number one is the best, the best team, the best player, the brightest star. Yeah, the strongest, the fittest, the prettiest, the wisest, the get-aheadest. You know, first guy to a nervous breakdown is a winner. Because <laughs> that's where it tends to go. Yeah. So there's a lot of driven, driven sense to achieve the excellent. So when the Buddha says, you know, make an effort to realize the unrealized, we think, right, here we go. <laughs> and it's a kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what haven't we realized <laughs> haven't realized balance 
have realized peace. So these are realizations, these are not concepts. I mean, yeah, there's a concept called balance, but, you know, the the balance and realization are experiences, which which in uh, training practice is about integrating the thinking faculty, the heart faculty, and the body faculty. That's all you've got, really, isn't it? I mean, basically, it's that's that's your kit, that's your gear. Yeah, that's what you're walking around with. Hmm? Some of the time, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and the point of balance is, could that the complete set be walking around at the same time, rather than your head's somewhere, your body's kind of numbly stumbling after it, and your heart's going, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't feel so good. Never mind. (laughs) He'll be over soon. (laughs) There's something wrong. Something wrong. Must be something wrong with me. Because we're pulled apart. So good enough is... uh, It's a true enough experience. We don't feel good enough, really. Something's wrong. It's dukkha. Dukkha. But you don't get good enough through following the idea or the ideal or those performance-driven drives that cause you to fragment. Good enough is really being, consider it more like, are you whole yet? Are you complete yet? Have you, are you integrated yet? You know, is there something you need to bring in that you've left out? Is, is your body with you now? Are you tuned into that? Is your heart unwilling, resisting, pulling away, embarrassed, awkward, or it can, you know? So it's these senses of closing down, shutting off, forgetting, you know, that cause us to lose the fullness and the completeness of our lives. Everybody, I'm sure we all do this. I do this, you know. Generally, the fragmentation occurs. I go out into my head with some sense, I've got to do this, I've got to get there on time, I've got to make this happen. You know, you know that, that sense, you go up into the head and you're out there and the body kind of struggling along underneath somewhere. And there's emotional anxiety or, or just even closes down. So when we get into that strong duty got to do no matter what heart closes down he says this is no time to be feeling anything we've got business <laughs> that's so that when we really you know put put our foot on the gas then where we tend to go is up into our head and at a certain point in there your, your heart closes down because it gets in the way well, that feeling and sensitivity is since the close down. And this is pretty normal, isn't it? This is soldiers, this is business, this is high performance. This is, you see, happening in the rush hour, in the traffic, hearts closing down, heads driven to get there on time. Mm. And so this is, I, I suggest, consider for yourself, obviously, but I suggest this is a part of the programming that we are we're in at this particular time, this particular culture. We're affected by this. 
So, you know, when is it ever going to be good enough? When are you ever going to be good enough? What's going to make you good enough? Now the actual uh, the terms this is a this is a very this is a very cryptic teaching, but it contains the entire eightfold path in this two words: good, virtue. Just uh, you know, try to get a sense of putting aside the anger, the greed, hostility, you know, things we know are not good. Just moment of time, putting them aside. Enough is the sense of mindfulness. We're just with this now. When you put them together, you get samadhi, sense of collectedness. When you know that, you get what's called wisdom, knowing this is good enough. What what is good enough? This is good enough. (laughs) And there's only this, really. The rest of it is fantasy. And we are also, I'd suggest, uh, strongly attuned to to a certain amounts of of fantasies, virtual realities, TVs, movies, um, you know, things that don't actually happen in to real bodies in real time. And there's that strong sense of the, you know, the fantasy glow. What it'd be like to be a fairy princess or the superhero or you know, the most wonderful for a day, for a moment. You know. People dress up, people play games. So, so we have a certain, you know, love of of fantasy and play and magic. You know. But then you realise, who's can a body ever live up to that? <laughs> and you come down to it. What does that mean? Ignoring or closing off. It means probably ignore, you know, your body's gonna only gonna get anywhere near good enough for a few years and it's definitely not good enough anymore. <laughs> it's not, it's not there, they're in fantasy land anyway, you know. You can kind of doll it up for a while but then it starts to just come through. <laughs> And then when we look into our, our emotional patterns, you see, well, you know, some of it's sort of jealous, uh, moaning, complaining, uh, you know, manipulative, greedy, guilty, fearful, <laughs> the whole lot, you know. It's not a shining light in there, is it? <laughs> so we have all these kind of rather dubious emotional states we don't feel too comfortable about. You know, opening up to our fearfulness, our anxiety. So these kind of get excluded, or we perhaps when we practice Dharma, we think we could kind of clear, get rid of all this stuff, which is definitely much, definitely subpar, below standard. Buddhas don't have this. Clear it out, get rid of it, you know. I don't even want to know it really. Can I find some system that will just cap all that? you know, shut it all down or cut it out or flush it out <laughs> and I'll just be there in this gleaming purity. Mm. Mm. 
Well, this is a nice idea, isn't it? <laughs> and maybe, maybe that that could happen. Maybe. But uh, as a the path, the the path has to be come through first of all, as we all recognise, opening up the heart, opening up the body, feeling some of the discomforts, coming to terms with some of the pieces we haven't really taken on fully, contemplated fully, pieces of ourselves we've pushed away, the past or our fears or inadequacies, just pushing them away. Then what does it take? to really start to become whole again. Could that be something that's appropriate for practice? In my experience is that uh, <clears throat> it's like, you know, the more the more you leave it out, it eventually it's gonna, it catches up. Catches up with you. And probably every one of you who's, who's practiced meditation, you experience what's called the, the howling dog syndrome. It's like you've got something down there that's kind of whining, and you, uh, yeah, okay, later. I, I shut the door and I go to this quiet place where I can meditate. You know, and then the howling gets loud. I think, okay, I'll move up to the next story, next floor, next level. And shut that, you know, get away from that whining, complaining mind. Silly thought. And it starts to get louder. So you move up another floor. <laughs> yeah. The difficult pain in your body, maybe. Or the funny feeling you have about somebody you're living with. These things that are not spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> not spiritual things. Cut them out. Gets, move up a level, you know, howling gets louder. <laughs> Should you get up to the roof? <laughs> howling gets really loud. <laughs> and then there's nowhere else to go. So, so then you've got to turn around, go down, meet the howling dog, and make friends with it. You know? So quite a bit of our practice is rather like this just coming to terms meeting one's craving one's pain one's grief one's sense of oneself in fact and of all howling dogs the big one the biggest howling dog is this sense of self yeah now you know when I'm saying sense of self remember this is a sense of self and the Buddha said, that which you sense as self, you know, isn't, is just impermanent, changing, unsatisfactory. You can be bigger than that. You can be bigger, more complete than this sense of self. And if you see that your sense of self always has to have something, or be doing something, or be approved of by somebody, or be busy winning at something, or be regretting something, or be chasing itself, or trying to wipe itself out. <laughs> it's a busy little creature, this howling dog. <laughs> and everybody's got one of these systems. You begin to recognize it is fundamentally 
always orbiting around some need or another. The need to feel one's doing good enough. The need to feel one is useful. The need to feel that other people like me. The need to feel that, you know, something or the other. The need to have something. The need to be the same as everyone else. The need to be different from everyone else. Or different on some days and same on other days. <laughs> and the need to be able to change from being same to being different when I need to. And the need to be adjusted. Yeah. So it never really settles. It's like a howling dog. And uh, we try and eliminate it. It, what is it that tries to eliminate it this is another need, the need to get rid of it kick it out dismantle it, bust your ego you know? and so it's, it's something that has this ability to keep mesmerizing our attention and catching us and getting us to react to it, getting our heart mind to react to it get involved with it so you know sometimes on retreats it's like that isn't it you know, you get one gets so involved with one's stories and things I didn't do and things I should be doing and the special feeling I had and this feeling I didn't have and whether I could get there, you know, really involved with this sense of self. Looking to give it a spiritual bone to chew. But then you recognize just the number of Years one feeds this, pets it, preens it, takes it for walks. <laughs> and it's still not satisfied. <laughs> and the, the realization may dawn after a while, and this is a, you know, again, consider this, look at this. Perhaps it doesn't get satisfied. But it's good to know, isn't it good to know that that self is not you, not yours? <laughs> it's the same for everyone. They've all got one of these. It's a series of programs. And uh, it is the programmed mind. And then when the programmed mind, or the programmable mind, the mind that can be programmed, is immersed in a scenario of competition and performance and achievement, all of those have no satisfaction in them, do they? So we pro the prime gets programmed into this sense of the unsatisfactory. There's no way it could ever be good enough. There's no way. You know, mountain climbers climbed, you know, 15 mountains or 28,000 feet or whatever they were still I've got to climb the 16th faster with no oxygen backwards blindfold <laughs> you know, go where no one ever else has gone you know keep raising the bar you know, I've only got 20 billion dollars you know Somebody else out there has got 39 billion. I need more. Because you can't know if you can spend it, but just the sense of what the glow of being for one time the number one in the world would feel like. You know? And how long is that going to last? Yeah. 
So, I mean, I guess these are extremes that we don't buy into, but just consider the, 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 uh, the atmosphere, the culture, and the amount of attention, excitement, and energy that goes into and clusters around those number ones whenever they arise. Yeah. And we, wow, like that. Yeah. And you come back to this, this thing. <laughs> So it's never going to be good enough because the program doesn't do that. So actually practicing good enough is a very radical uh, practice for just short-circuiting these futile programs which we call ourselves. We've got so used to the program, so familiar with them, we tend to talk from them and operate around them that we assume this is what we are. You know, if you do it every day, often enough, naturally that's what you kind of assume you must be. This is why it's so helpful just to come into the body in the body's own terms. Not the body in the visual terms, where we can say, well, you know, he looks better than me, she's prettier than I am, he's stronger than me, he's bigger, taller, but just in its own terms. And its bodily terms are what? Firmness, pressure, we call it earth, solidity. Yeah, you got that? You got a sense of some kind of sense of being the solid matter there? Is it number one, number two, number five, or is it just book? Yeah? <laughs> Who's got the best earth here? Yeah, but when you're coming into the body, mindfulness of the body, you feel the earth element, you feel the sense of warmth, vitality, fire, brightness, warmth. You feel the sense of movement, the ability to something pushing with the breath, most often the breath, the air element, the sense of something swelling, pushing, swelling, pushing, earth element. You get the sense of everything being cohesive, you know, that is the arm senses are connected to the chest senses. The earth element is always connected to the other elements. Something just binding it together. Some flowing sense to that. We all have these. So you come into that. What's there to make of that? What's there to make of that? And you begin to realize that if you want it, the best you can do with this is just to get them balanced. So you're not trying to have the most earth or be, if you're, you know, be completely earth because you become rigid. If you're just all fire, you get too hot and zappy. If you're too watery, you get, you know, no boundaries, just kind of soggy. You know. Too much air, you just get pushy and restless. Where's the, mi- the balancing, the mixing? Yeah. And that's where we start to feel most comfortable when these elements call them elements in our body start to blend and find uh, a a wholeness so as nothing is tight it's not too loose it's not too tight it's not too fiery but it's not stale it's flowing but it's definitely got a form to it yeah the balance the balance in the body this is the practice of mindfulness of the body and using breathing the sense of breathing, not, not this, uh, you know, a breath, but the sense, the rhythmic 
sense of breathing which travels through the body to be a kind of um, a guide when you're breathing out deep and long and steady and nothing's holding on when you're breathing and you're letting the breath move through you nothing's tight or constricted and it starts to flow through the whole bodily sense so it's the harmonizer it's the thing it's called the kaya sankara or that which governs the body's energy is breathing in breathing out so the aim of this is not to get tight but to arrive at harmony which means balancing flowing embracing you know beginning to soften those hard edges in our body the tightness in the shoulders starting to breathe through the painful places in our body realizing that even if your eyebrows are tense that's going to be a restriction so the whole body because it's all plugged into the same nervous system has to be willing to participate in the process and this willingness is our emotional sense our emotional body so as you begin to train the physical or the somatic body in order to do that we have to also bring forth the emotional body now the emotional body is not the happiest it's not the best it's not some extreme emotion nor is a lack of emotion it's our willingness to be with something emotion the emotional sense the heart sense is that which tells us how i am with something how i am with this moment how i am with this feeling how i am with this thought am i alert am i frightened am i enjoying it am i hungry for it am i resisting it what's actually happening at that place where we become aware of a thought a sensation a memory you know, a physical feeling an emotional welling up what happens at that place and that's where we develop the heart intelligence heart sense which is i'm willing to be with this but i'm not going into it i'm not going to add more to it i'm willing to be with it and in order to be with it really maintain the sense of being with it i'm not going into it if i go into it i'll start to take sides i'll start to hang on to this and resist that i'll start to say this is the right feeling and that's the wrong one so i'm just with the whole flow of disagreeable agreeable feeling skillful and unskillful thoughts sense of resistance fascination okay what's that feel like what's that feel like how are you with that is that continual question or that sense so we begin to is to begin to realize that what makes us most complete most whole at least amount of suffering which is which is the aim right is if if i don't hang on to the good stuff and i don't fight with the bad stuff yeah, yeah. so don't hang on to the good stuff don't fight with this is pretty simple colloquial thing yeah because if i hang on to the good stuff i start getting very favoring that feeling i am this i got that a little bit inflated a little bit of conceit and then crash the opposite happens and i've blown it yeah good stuff only lasts so long 
And any decline, any decline in the good stuff equals bad stuff. So any time a pleasant feeling is no longer getting more pleasant, it becomes boring and then disagreeable and then waste of time and then downright <laughs> tedious. You know, so the next one. So, you know, just to stop suffering, which is what the Buddha taught for, he didn't teach for the best. He said, I just want you to stop suffering. Is is just this sense of how am I how am, how am I with can I be with this without hanging on and without fighting it? Now that is a very thorough process, isn't it? And we come into our body just to to get the fundamental training down because within this very body you can experience enough of the good and the bad, the painful and the, the un, and the pleasant, the agreeable and disagreeable just within this body and you're probably also going to experience the wavering of attention and the sense of not getting it right and you know I should try harder and feeling very good at this and all that mental stuff so just uh-huh uh-huh how's that feel it's like that and that emotional it's not a it's not a dismissal of any of this stuff it's not an approval of it. It's a sense of stretching one's willingness. And the most, the fullest emotional width we can find is called equanimity. Starts off being willing. Now, being willing itself is called kindness or metta. It doesn't mean dolloping, you know, some sentiment onto something. It means just, I'm willing to be here with this in a kind of open way that's that's the that's the the bottom line of it you know sometimes you very feel very full yeah. so and then with the painful there's compassion and with the agreeable it's called uh, mudita or enjoyment appreciative joy so it's oh that's very good that's very good that's wonderful it's like you're congratulating someone for their success. Oh, it's very good, it's very good. But you're not claiming it as your own. So, And then equanimity is that real emotional balance where the good and the bad, it's like that. And we're still feeling it, this development of heart. And it's through this development of body and development of heart that our thinking mind begins to sense, there's not much to do here. These, these other people have got it covered. Yeah. All I need to do is stay connected. Yeah. So the thinking mind in this in this mandala of the training is there to keep saying, "What's happening? Hey, what's happening? How is it now? Are you there? No, no. What's really happening now? Yeah, yeah. But what's happening now? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know that. But but here we are, right? <laughs> Pause. Wait. Wait, just, you know, it's like that. It's just a gentle guide. Two, two qualities to it. Vitaka, keep connecting, keep bringing yourself back to the point. Vichara, how is it? That's it. There's nothing more to know, really, than that. That's all it's used for. So this is quite a radical turnaround of our intelligences. 
And the beauty of it is that we begin to realize that these, just opening up these other forms of intelligence, the body intelligence and the heart intelligence, provides this deep sense of balance and groundedness and hearness and sensitivity, the loss of which has truly made us feel not good enough. When we lost that, naturally we opened ourselves up to this incredible programming of the thinking mind with its competition, its performance, its inadequacies, its sense of perfection, getting here on time, sitting in the right posture, getting the right technique, the true teacher for me, the quickest way, <laughs> the pain, painless way, <laughs> the really thorough, traditional, pure way. You know, where else are we going to find it except in this body, heart, mind? And the, realizing that the Buddha taught us this to just release us from stress and suffering. Yeah. There's a tremendous sense of, uh, you know, just, just come back, come back, you know, stop reaching out. Now, it may seem like we say something like, well, good enough sounds like just kind of feeble or dithering or inadequate or just not really, really committing to anything. Sort of half-hearted effort, good enough, that's all right, casual. I don't think so, because that doesn't feel good, does it? So you really take good enough and you realize a lot of the practice is just about purifying or really being straight about our intentions. This is what sila is about, virtue. It means, no, that, that dismissive attitude, that... Now that's, that's not that's not really on the mark, you know. Either do it or don't do it, but I don't want that dismissive stuff. You know, it just it's not worthy of me. Yeah. Or the um, manipulative, we get manipulative. So we're just keeping that check of, you know, what th- what throws us out, and a sense of virtue. And the Buddha said there were three things. He just put as a like a, a checklist to cover what his mind was doing. They call intentions or attitudes, you might say, because they're not exactly deliberate, thought-out strategies. They're more like uh, motivating principles. It says, if my mind is motivated towards harmlessness, is that for my welfare? For other people's welfare, does it lead to? Does it lead me out of suffering? Hmm. Yes. When my mind is motivated towards not getting angry or dismissive or cutting things off, is that for my welfare? For other people's welfare, does it lead to nibbana? Yeah. When my mind is motivated towards simplicity. Letting go of what I don't need. Modesty. Restraining the appetite. So it's just that which is suitable, that which is 
I need, that which is appropriate, and really sensing that. Does that lead me to contentment? Is it for my welfare, for other people's welfare? Does it lead to Nibbana? Yes, it does. Then I'll just develop these. And this sutta where he teaches this, he said this, through developing this, this, before I really developed this, I was an unenlightened uh, practitioner. When I just put this checklist in, through following this checklist and just noticing, now put that aside. Don't follow that one. Um, remember this. Put that aside. This led to Nibbana. Just this. These three. Just putting this checklist in our attitudes and mental energies and mental thoughts. Just that. Yeah. And you realize that a lot of the Buddhist teaching is in terms, negative terms. So we say harmlessness rather than defending everyone in the world. Rather than taking every beetle to Nibbana. Just harmlessness. So it's like a, re, a, a turning down or a, or a moving away from something that throws us out of balance. Because when I harm... It means at that moment, my ethical sense, my resonance with you, my empathy with you is cut. I don't care. I've cut you off. There's no way you can commit harm to someone in the, at the very same time as you experience them as a fellow human being. Yeah. So when we commit an act of violence, something in us to say, she's the enemy. He deserves it. You know, something like we we lose that sense of empathy. We cut our heart in two, because the heart is naturally an empathic quality. When we say it doesn't matter, dismiss, you know, cut someone off, lack of compassion, we cut ourselves in two. Yeah. And when we can't be contented and simplify and let go, we we give way to greed covetousness more it means I'm getting mine you, you know <laughs> step aside <laughs> and how beautiful that sense of just uh, modesty and simplicity for our welfare for everyone's welfare leads us to this sense of the mind feeling contented hmm? now these are not that difficult to do but the problem is that they're not visited we don't visit those places often enough. Yeah. They're really not that difficult to do, but we, visiting them thoroughly and regularly is the piece that we forget to do. I forget to do. I think of getting things done more than am I being harmless. I think of, you know, buildings or whatever I've got to do in my monastic life rather than can I be harmless. I mean, don't go around with the intention of harming others, but actually to prioritise. If you've done that, then you've, you've done good enough. You know? If you got through the day without killing anyone, chalk it up. <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't, you know, slash somebody with your tongue, chalk that up, big, put five big chalk marks on the wall. And if you didn't even think about harming anyone, put ten of them on the wall. <laughs> 
not just harming them, putting them down, belittling them, scapegoating them, dismissing them, trivializing them, you know, things that our mind can do, grudges, grievances, you know, revenge, just stop doing that. Yeah. So just putting that up there, and every time your mind wants to do that, just relax. Where are you? You don't need to do that. Here you are, you've got your body, you've got your mind, you've got your heart. You're, you're okay in this. You're okay in this. This is the bit that nobody takes away from you. The rest of it, yeah, they can take away from you. This is the bit that's yours. Why don't we enjoy it? The Buddha was emphatic. He said that as long as the six things are an obstacle to your alighting on and penetrating this Dhamma, there are six, there definitely are six things. One, you've shed a a Buddha's blood. Haven't done that. Secondly, you've killed an arahant. Nope. Thirdly, you've caused a schism in the Sangha. Nope. Um, fourthly, you've killed your father. Nope. Fifthly, you've killed your mother. Nope. Sixthly, you're a, you're a, you're a dim-witted and of inadequate mind. Yes, that's me. <laughs> There's got to be some reason why I can't do this. That must be it. (laughs) Otherwise, I'd have penetrated this Dhamma by now, wouldn't I? (laughs) He's saying, well, maybe you're just looking for the wrong thing, you know? (laughs) You're looking for the best instead of the good enough. (laughs) You're looking for, as Ajahn Chah would say, you're looking for a turtle with a moustache. good virtuous conscientious clear you know being as honest as we can be as willing as we can be you know we can of course create incredible standards of goodness but it just means that what's running for you now you know the what's happening in your body mind system you just got to check in does this feel like this is good or not Am I doing what I feel I can do to do good or not? Am I doing something that's deliberately nasty, stupid, evil, poisonous or not? Not have I, you know, saved so many other beings, but just in this system, is my energy going into, you know, violating others or not? You know, trashing other people or not? Trashing myself or not? That's the one, isn't it? Yeah. Do we do that? This is not appropriate. This is not appropriate behaviour. Yeah. Why? Do, why? Do, why does? What, what is it that wants to do that? That wants to criticise and continually, you know, castigate ourselves and hang on to guilty perceptions of things we did 15 years ago? What? What is it wants to do that? Yeah. That's harming us. Mm. Isn't that something we need to talk to? Just to say, enough, enough now. Take, you know, 
that's the pieces that we need to bring back in to our heart feel the sadness or the pain of the things we've done wrong just be with that just feel it and be with that let it, that's the way we let it go this is what meditation is about it's a time for this kind of healing and unifying so we can sit and rest in what's good enough So perhaps this Dhamma talk hasn't been the best. <laughs> but maybe it's been good enough for now. <laughs> so, <I do. laughs> so if you want to take a few minutes, leg break, leg stretch, not leg break. And, uh, or whatever you need to do. If people need to leave, that's fine. Um, and then if you want to stay and ask questions, that's fine. <laughs>